I'm glad you're here. Um, you know, it's August tomorrow, right? And today's the last day of July. You know what that means? That means it's football season. Right? And uh, uh, I'm hearing a lot of chatter about my beloved Sooners, right? Uh, I'm, I'm an OU fan. I'm sorry, all you Cowboy fans. I know there's a bunch of them in here. And uh, you just got to love me. Sorry. I'll love you too. Um, but, you know, I, I, I had to be an OU fan because I'm a wall. And, and like we were, in 1895, my family came here. I don't know if they were boomers or Sooners. They claimed to be boomers, but they might have been Sooners. I don't know. But uh, so we, I grew up in Moore, and Moore is right between Norman and Oklahoma City. And so I grew up there. And so as, as a kid, uh, we revered the names like Billy Sims and Barry Switzer and Billy Vessels. And, and you know, I, I kind of like that Brian Mead, he's one of our boys that finished his OU career uh, this past year. So, so, you know, it was, I grew up with this Sooner heritage. And, and, and you know, kind of in a similar way, I, I, I grew up in a Baptist church. Nine months before I was born, I was a Baptist, right? I don't know if any of you are like that. Some of you are new to Baptist world. That's okay. Um, but I grew up in a Baptist church. And, and you know, I watched my, my family. They weren't in uh, full-time ministry. My, uh, my parents or my uncles and aunts, they were, they were laymen. They were lay people in the church. And, and, and you know, they served alongside of pastors. And, and, and I watched my whole life, my, my family just holding up the arms of pastors and walking with pastors. My grandfather, who was an auto mechanic, had his own shop, was a, was, he loved pastors and he served pastors. And, and, and you know, before I even knew my, the Purifoys, my, my grandfather helped Robin's grandfather years ago as a, as a pastor in Oklahoma City. And, and, and you know, it's interesting, as I grew up, I uh, saw pastors serving the Lord, then I came into ministry as a uh, as a young, ni- 19, well, I was 19 years old when I started working in a church. And, uh, and I started working as a youth minister. I, I, my title back then was youth director. And that was what they called me. I was the youth director at First Baptist Ada. That was my first full-time church. And I was the youth director. And then, then you know, I went to school and finished school. And they said, you know what, Chris, you're, you're more than a youth director. You're a youth minister. And so I was like, yeah, cool. I'm a youth minister. And I, man, I did. I worked hard and, and, and serving the Lord. And then, then, you know what, I went to school some more and they said, you know what you are? You're, you're going to be now a youth pastor, youth pastor. And I, man, I shepherded our students and I shared the gospel and I, I loved being in that role of youth ministry. And, and man, I, I, we saw kids come to know Christ, kids called the ministry and, and boy, I proudly just championed that, that, that title. I was a youth pastor. But you know what? I, that was unbiblical to, to take that title because, you know, I, I was not an elder in the life of our church, but I took the title youth pastor. And, and you know what? Um, when you look at the Bible, there, there are some important terms. There are words in the Bible that, that are important to understand and recognize. And in the Bible, the, the, the term elder is used to describe, there's actually five words that are used to describe in the scripture the office that a, a 
person is given to lead a church. And the, and the words are elder, bishop, uh, shepherd, overseer. And there's one verse, Ephesians 4.11, is the only verse in the entire Bible that uses the word pastor. Ephesians 4.11. And every time those words are used, they are interchangeably used to describe the office that I currently hold as an overseer in the life of this church. And, and you know, looking back on my, my life and ministry, you know, I, I took the title youth pastor, but I wasn't in the biblical role. Now, some people may go, ah, Chris, you know, come on. It's all words. That's semantics. You're not, uh, don't, why, why are you so worried about that? Well, this week I was reading in Second uh, Kings chapter 10. And, uh, and that, that was an interesting passage. It was uh, uh, Jehu. It was mentioning Jehu. Jehu was this leader of God's people. And, and Jehu had realized that, uh, oh my goodness, we've been serving Baals. And so Jehu, man, he, he changed things. And, um, and he tore down the problem. He, he made some serious efforts in 2 Kings chapter 10. And he tore down the temple. He actually made the temple of Baal a bathroom, a latrine, which made me laugh when I read that in my Bible. But then you know what? A few, so so he, was, he, was, he was commended for keeping the word of God to, to completely. But you know what? It's interesting. In a few verses later... It says about Jehu that he did not follow the Lord's word completely. And you know, um, I think we need to remember that following Christ halfway is not following Christ at all. And, and you know, as, as we say as a body that we're going to allow God's word to shape our thinking, and shape our practices. Today, as we get into 1 Peter 5, this is what we need to allow God's word to do. Correct us and shape us. So we're going to look, even though we looked a little bit last week at 1 through 5 in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, we're going to look again, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 7. Would you stand with me and let's look at God's word. And he writes this. To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, um, I'm working on this, uh, as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, um, come on wall, get this down, uh, to the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and as, uh, come on, I'm, I'm working on memorizing, this is hard. And one who also share in the glory to be revealed. And then he says this, be shepherds of God's flock, serving as overseers. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not, uh, not being greedy, but because you, uh, come on. Not being greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to God's flock. For when the chief shepherd appears, 
He will give you the crown, crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, likewise, be submissive to those who are older. Clothe yourselves with humility. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, maybe seated. Thank you for your patience in helping me memorize this. But, um, but we're going to finish First Peter next week. And, um, and over and over again, we've seen in the book of First Peter some very important lessons that I want us to, I just want to emphasize one, one more time. That in the book of First Peter, we have seen over and over again that salvation is our greatest gift. And that is a gift that we've been given. Salvation is such a blessing. To be saved has incredible implications, not only in this life, but the life to come. We've also seen over and over again that that the Holy Spirit helps us grow up, that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, and he's he's growing us in our faith, he's maturing us as believers, and we all ought to be growing up in our faith. We also see in the book of 1 Peter something very important, because the context of 1 Peter is this is a time of suffering, this is a time of difficulty. And one of the things you see is that Jesus helps us in the face of a hostile culture, and, and this is something that Jesus promised, he's done all through history, he's going to do for us. He's going to help us as we go. Now, now, it's interesting to me that as Peter is helping navigate through suffering, chapter 5, he starts talking about the leadership in the church. And, and when you sit back and think about it, it makes a little bit of sense because uh, oftentimes when persecution comes, when difficult times come, it, it's the leaders who are kind of on the front edge of that persecution. And that's, that's been, I think, the case all through history. It's the leaders that are, that are the first ones to receive the, the difficulty. And maybe, and it's interesting as I look at uh, the, the book of Ezekiel right now, as I think about what's going on in the history of the world, you kind of see Ezekiel playing out. Uh, maybe uh, he's referring to Ezekiel 9.6, Peter is because that, that's where it says that judgment begins in the house of God. And what's happening in the book of 1 Peter, they're preparing for suffering and judgment. This kind of is an echo of that. But, but uh, or maybe it's just because Peter's like, I got to talk to those that are leading the flocks in these various cities, uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's the audience of the first century. Now, Here's why I think this is important. Well, and I think it's, it's noteworthy to recognize that in this time of suffering, Peter turns his face to the local church. And here's something I want, you, I want us to remember. I think we need to really remember this. That in the most difficult of times, in the most serious of times, it's the local church where we will find the greatest source of help, encouragement, strength, and, and we cannot overemphasize the importance of what we are doing today, gathering as a local body of believers, because all of us will face curveballs in life. All of us will face difficulties. And it's the local church where this is where strength lies. And this is why we've got to, I want to challenge you to don't just walk in the door and leave, plug into the life of our church, because you need a local body 
I need a local body. And it's in the local body where the, the where help comes from. Now, in this passage, you see this specific challenge to elders in the church. And he says a couple of things to elders as you look at this passage. They are to, to oversee God's flock because it's God's will for them. Now, that's very important. God calls by his will leaders to be in your life. And, and he very clearly reminds the shepherds, the, the overseers, the elders, look, it's my will for you to be here. And, and, you know, though we have processes to put me in this role and our pastors in place, look, it is God's will that calls us to specific places, specific times. And that's why we've, we've had to say over and over again, look, God's called us to these days and God's called us to this place. We can be confident in that. It says that in this passage that every elder, every teacher should be uh, serving not out, not just because he has to, but because he, he wants to. And this is the kind of leaders, this is what you should expect of me and of the pastors of our church. And, and then it says to leaders very clearly, though, to pastors you, and to elders, you, ought, you need to be an example. And so this is very important today. I know this is not one of those rah-rah sermons of, oh, woo, let's charge hell with a water pistol kind of day, kind of passage, right? But it really is a charge hell with a water pistol kind of passage. Because if you have the right leader in your life, you can charge hell with a water pistol. And when we charge hell with a water pistol, guess what? We win. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That's a dumb analogy, but... Just go with me, right? Uh, verse 1. Look at verse 1. To the elders among you, he says, I appeal to you as a fellow elder. And, and I think, and one, he says, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. So what Peter's doing, he's saying, look, I'm an elder just like all you guys. And he was. He was a, a leader in the church. Now, point number one is very important, and I want you to write it down. The leaders you follow make or break your future. Oh, don't forget that. Students, don't forget that. The leaders you follow will make or break your future. And here's what I want us to see from the Bible, that God calls leadership from within the church. You know, and I love this. And it's important as you look at the Bible, the Bible describes two offices in the church, like official offices, the office of elder, the office of deacon. Now, these are those that are, that are to rule and lead in the life, inside the life of the church. And the Bible's clear on this. Now, I'm going to give you some verses. And Robin said, I did this way too fast in the first service, so I'll try to slow it down. Because she always coaches me after that. Uh, so, but elders, in the Bible, it does refer to age and experience and older people. It does refer to that. But one of the things you see in the New Testament is that... God led the New Testament authors to institute an office, and he borrowed, they borrowed it from the Sanhedrin and from the, the Jewish synagogue. And so you see very early on the office of elder that was being established, and, and it's a specific role in the life of the church. And here's some verses that you can write down and look at that. Acts 14.23 is one of the places where it speaks to elders. Acts 15.2. Acts 20, 17. Those are three verses in Acts. Acts 14, 23, 15, 2, 20, verse 17. Then you see Titus 1, 5. 
That's one area. And then James 5, 14. And this is where the word elder is used. And, and it's interesting, the biblical words that describe that office, and we, they're, they're all through the scriptures. Luke, uh, um, Peter, Paul, all reference these offices. And um, those words in the Bible are elder, bishop, overseer, shepherd, and pastor. And I think it's really interesting that um, the word pastor is only used one time in Ephesians 4.11. And the rest of the descriptions in the Bible, are the, the, the most common description is elder. And the church at Jerusalem had elders. Uh, you see this in Acts 11.30. Um, uh, according to Acts 14.23, Paul and Barnabas, when they went to all the churches uh, and visited on their missionary journeys, one of the first things they did is they appointed elders in the life of the church. Um, James 5, 14 says when, when someone is sick, you should call the elders of the church. They'll, they'll pray over you. Um, and, and you see this over and over again that, that elders were, were, and this is interesting, in Ephesians, you, you see when elders are mentioned, it's often in the, in the plural. So that, that kind of indicates there that most churches really have more than one elder, not just one. So uh, it's interesting as you process this biblically. Now, here's something that is quite controversial, but it's just a biblical truth. That when you look at the New Testament and you really dig into the office of elder, it's an office that it's only men in that role. You don't see women in the office of, of elder. Now, this is not a sexist thing or a discriminatory thing. Uh, remember Ephesians 5? It talks about, it makes this comparison of Christ and the church, and it uses the family as an example that just like in the, in the home, husbands have roles and, and wives have roles, the whole Ephesians 5 is Christ and the church. So in the office of elder, you don't see women in that role. In the, in the New Testament. Um, now, at our church, uh, we have elders in the life of our church. Now, we haven't historically called them that, but that function is very clear. We have me as the senior pastor. I have the title pastor. Um, you have uh, Chad Balthrop, who led worship today. He's our executive pastor, and he's been here 20-plus years. You have Keith Davis, who's also been here 20 plus years is over our missions. You have, uh, you have um, uh, Brad Ayler who oversees all of our groups and, and he has the title pastor in the life of our church. You have Joe McKean who was up here at the very beginning. Uh, he leads our worship ministries. Then you have um, Misael preached last week. He is the point leader for our Tulsa, for the mission church in Tulsa and, and he has the title pastor in our church. And some people go, well, isn't he young? Yes, he's young. So was Timothy. Timothy was young. And, and so he's a young elder in the life of our church. And so, so we also have in the life of our church a church council. We have laymen that are in our church. And they, the, the leaders of our core ministry teams, are uh, those men are, are in this role of elder for this season in the life of our church. And then we have three at-large positions, other men that are called out from within our body, 
that help govern and rule and, and hold each other accountable and check on the spiritual temperature of the life of our church and, and hold each other accountable. I'm held accountable by the, these men and by our church body. So that's an office in the life of the church. There's a second office, the office of deacon. You see this in Acts chapter 6. And the office of deacon is described because this, the deacons serve. Now, in the scriptures, deacons uh, are not just men. There are women who are deacons. Romans 16.1. You got to wrestle with Phoebe. And, and so you see um, uh, these two official offices biblically in the life of our church. But, but we also have ministers of the gospel. And, and you know what? For many years, I was a youth minister. I was a minister of the gospel, which was a very important calling, a very important role in the life of our church. And you know what? We have that role in the life of our church. Andrew Wade is our youth minister. We have decided, look, we're not going to have Andrew, though he's a phenomenal, he's the best youth minister I've ever met. I, I was with him at False Creek going, oh my goodness, this guy is so very gifted. And but he's a minister of the gospel, which is a very worthy calling, an important calling. You have, you have Amber Hudler, who is, oh my goodness, this week, I sat down with Amber and heard a little bit of, of just kind of her discipleship of, of children, and oh, my, I, I mean, it like, it fired me up to hear how she's teaching our kids the word of God, how kids have been saved, how influence, oh my goodness, influence was amazing this summer. And, and Amber Hudler is an incredible minister of the gospel. And that's incredible to have that role. And, and then you have um, in our church, uh, Brendan Fulton leading the mission. And I, I think of Susan Cook, who's the, leading our preschool ministries and, and counseling ministries. Lucinda Hicks, who's a, a force in her ministry to, to, to the life of our church. And so, you know what? We've got to allow the Bible to stand, though. Peter, here, is speaking to elders. And, and you know, look at, and he's challenging leaders. This is important because when tough times come, this is something I pray we understand. Tough times are coming in the book of 1 Peter. And when tough times comes, when tough times come, God uses your leaders to help comfort you, strengthen you, and guide you. And so choosing the right leaders will make or break your future. We see this. Now, here's what we see in the Bible. The church is responsible for establishing, every local church is responsible for establishing and following biblical leadership. You know, it's this church's job to establish biblical leadership. It's this church's job to then follow biblical leadership. And then this is why you see, look at verse 2. Peter looks at this and says, you shepherds, you, you, you elders, be shepherd. This is a command. Be shepherds of God's flock. This, you know why this day is so important? You need to know what to expect of us. This is what, is what God expects of us. And he says to shepherds, be shepherd to elders, be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. And I think it's really interesting, as God wants you to. 
This right there, he says, look, you shepherds, you're to be willing to do this. God wants you to just be willing, not greedy for money, he says. Not, not doing this for some position or some self-promotion. No, be, but because, um, not greedy for money, but, but being eager. I love this, eager to serve. Not lording over those, but being example being examples to the flock. And man, this is something you should expect from me. You know what you should expect from me? You should expect our leaders, our pastors to effectively shepherd you. Let's think about what a shepherd does. He, he looks out for wolves. You know, that was one of the biggest roles of a shepherd. I mean, David was a shepherd. You see shepherds in the Bible. Shepherds were the first. I think it's interesting. Shepherds were the first people Jesus appeared to. It's almost like he's foreshadowing this, this biblical role. And it was shepherds that were to be protective. Look, I'm supposed to pay attention. The pastors of your church are supposed to pay attention to what's going on in the world. We're supposed to pay attention to, to the attacks that are coming against our church and against you. We're supposed to pay attention to, to wolves that come in among us. We're supposed to be tough. We're supposed to be, uh, not be pushovers. We're... To, we're, we're we should effectively shepherd this congregation. You, we should serve willingly and eagerly. I mean, you shouldn't be going, oh, come on, Chris, let's do something. No, we, you shouldn't look at our pastors going, man, would y'all just think up something? No, we should be eagerly and willingly serving. You should, you should expect me to be content with my life. You, you, a good shepherd chooses contentment chooses to say, look, I'm grateful just to get to be where I am. And, and, and you should expect me to live content. You should expect me to act gently. And the pastors in your life, whoever fills the role of pastors in this church, if I go to heaven tomorrow, look, I don't want to check out tomorrow. I, I want to see my granddaughter grow up. That'd be awesome. But, but you know what? If God calls me home, that'll be a promotion for me. I know that. But it's up to this church to expect the pastors to act gently, the elders to act gently, to set a good example. We should pay attention to the example, to embrace accountability. Look, that's the kind of leader we should be, one that doesn't push away accountability, but one that embraces accountability. You should expect the shepherds in your life to walk humbly. And that's what this passage says. And notice verse 4. Man, let's not miss verse 4. He says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. Oh, let's think about that. Notice what he said. When the chief shepherd appears, you know, as a, as a man called to be an elder in the life of a church, I'm like, oh man, the chief shepherd's coming. Whew. I think about that. The chief shepherd's coming. Now, I'm going to give an account for the way I led and the way I lead because the chief shepherd's coming. Who's the chief shepherd? It's Jesus. Guess who's head of this church? Jesus. Guess what, guess what your pastors are? We're under shepherds. We are, we are just taking care of leadership roles until Jesus comes. And get, let me tell you something. Jesus is coming. Let, let me, let's not miss the fact that the chief shepherd is coming Oh my goodness, this week there was a tweet that cracked me up. And 
and gave me a sense of urgency at the same time. It was a picture of the leader of Iran and the leader of Russia. And, and it was a, it, they had a summit or they had some kind of meeting this week, apparently. Uh, I didn't watch the news a ton this week, but I saw this tweet. And, and it said simply, uh, the time to come to Jesus is now. And then it put Ezekiel 38, which made me laugh and then go, Ezekiel 38, I had to remember, uh, that's where the prophetic end times about Gog and Magog, and many scholars believe that's, that's Russia and China lining up with Persia. And you're like, oh my gosh, Ezekiel 38 is like our news. Are you kidding me? And some people go, eh, I think the guy's right. It's time to come to Jesus now. Seriously. It shouldn't surprise us that God's keeping his word. He says in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he says, I'm going to keep every jot and tittle. I'm going to keep every bit of my word. And oh my goodness, we are living in a time where we're watching God's word unfold right in front of our eyes. Now, now you know what? I don't know when Jesus is going to come back. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's going to be under our watch. Or, like I wrote in my quiet time Bible today that I'm going to give to my daughter. And my, uh, this is Emily's Bible that's going to be, I'm going to give to her with my writing in it. And, and I don't know if she's going to sit down with her grandkids and, and go, look, this is how your grandpa walked to Jesus. And that's going to be an inspiration that, that leads our grandkids to walk, great-grandkids to walk with Jesus. And they're going to be the ones ushering in the coming of Christ. I don't know when Jesus is going to return. But let me tell you something. The Bible, this is one of those moments in the Bible where where God says the chief shepherd is coming. And you know what? I pray, this is, motivates me as I read this passage and I tried to memorize it and meditate on it that, oh my goodness, I, let's live with some urgency. We got some work to do. We've got a gospel to communicate and, and people to reach. And, and look, I, I want to be focused on wh where I am, where God's called me to live. Right here as your pastor. The chief shepherd's coming. And it says about shepherds that, look, when he comes, you'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. I'll tell you, I want to please the Lord. Don't you? I want the Lord to come and find us in the middle of God's will. And, and look, as a church, let's push one another to be the kind of believers that we are living in the will of God so that if Jesus comes back on our watch, we are right smack in the middle of God's will. That's how you want to meet Jesus. Let me tell you something. You want to meet Jesus face to face in the middle of God's will. And let me tell you something. We've got to hear the warning in this passage because the warning is not a judgmental like um, uh, um, threat. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful gift of grace. Look at the warning. He says this, verse 5, young men, in the same way be submissive one another. Now there's a lot of debate on this passage. Is he, is he talking about just, is he now shifting to just the young men of the church? Or is he talking to elders still? Uh, there's a lot of debate on that. I believe he's speaking to younger elders. That's what I see this passage communicating. I don't think he's just jumping right now, just singling out young men. I think he's talking about younger elders to be submissive to those who are older. Because we have younger elders in the life of our church. Some are, 
Some are on our church council that are younger. Um, you know, there's a principle here, regardless of where you land on this passage. If you disagree with me, that's okay. I don't, I don't think this principle violates it. Point three is this. Aged wisdom is invaluable during stressful seasons. And let me tell you something. When we face stressful seasons, you need the wisdom of older people. You know what one of the greatest strengths of our church is? Is that we are a multi-generational church. In the first service, we had um, a friend of ours that uh, is a pastor in North Carolina. Um, he's one of the pastors at uh, First Baptist Durham. In fact, uh, Andy Davis is the senior pastor there, and uh, he's the one that wrote the book, The Glory Now Revealed, which is a book you ought to get. It's about heaven, called The Glory Now Revealed by Andy Davis. You got to get that book because it's an incredible theological work on heaven. And his uh, uh, Brad, if you will, was in our church, our service today. There was also a, a professor, a new professor from Southwestern Seminary. That was in our first service. And um, you know what he said to me? The professor came up and said to me, I just met him for the first time. He said, man, you're, you have multiple generations here. Wow, that's really cool. You know, that's one of the greatest strengths of our church. There's aged wisdom here. And there's a reason that, that it's, Peter says, you young men, be submissive to one another. Look, that's hard, isn't it? When I became a, the pastor here, I had not been in this role ever before. The, Rob Rizzo was on the committee, and uh, they asked me as a committee, they said, what kind of pastor are you going to be? I go, I don't know. Biblical? I, I don't know. I've never done it before. And I thank you for taking a risk on me to be a pastor. It was a risk because I'd never been in this role before. Um, but you know when I got in this role, you know that I called every pastor that I ever served with and apologized to them? I literally did, literally did. Because there were times I was hard to lead because I struggled with being submissive. You know what? We ought to get better at being submissive to one another. And I think it's interesting that in this passage, he says, be submissive to, to those who are older. We should seek wisdom from those who have lived longer. I would challenge you to have that posture in your life. Seek some wisdom. Do you know there's wisdom around here with your marriage? You know, we have people here that have made it through some of the most difficult times in marriage. Seek wisdom from those who are older. But look at what he says. Look at, he says, all of you. Now he goes to all of you, the whole church, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility. Isn't that an interesting idea? Like today, I, I, I put this shirt on. I didn't just wake up and go, oh, you know, I got this shirt on. No, I had, to, I had to put it on. And I had to make sure my head went through the right hole. My arms went through the right hole. I tucked it in. You know, it took some intentionality to put this shirt on, right? I think it's interesting that the Bible tells us to clothe ourselves with humility. That takes some effort. 
That takes some intentionality. That takes a a clear decision that I'm going to choose that. I'm going to choose humility. And and look, this is really important. To to be teachable, to, to, um, to, to stay teachable, to submit to God. These are things that we should do. That's what you see here is, is be teachable, submit to God. Um, but, I, but I think it's interesting. Notice this. All of you, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, and he makes a statement, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Oh, let's, let's, let's hear this. You realize that there's a, there are things that God opposes. And one of the things that God opposes is pride and being proud. Now think about this. For you to come to Christ, you've got to say, Lord, I... I put my faith in you. I trust you. Isaiah 53. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. See, the human problem is, God, I don't want to go your way. I'm not going to follow you. That's the human tendency. And can I tell you something? The Bible very graciously this is not a condemnation. This is a very, this is a moment of grace that God opposes the proud. The fact that you know that in advance is an incredible gift of God. Look, you could live your life with God in opposition to you. Can I just say to you, that is never something that you want, and that will never work out for you. There's a reason that Hebrews 10, 31 says, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of, a, of the living God. And see, this is, the fact that God reveals that he opposes the proud. Well, I don't want to be prideful. It moves me to go, Lord, I want to choose humility. And then he says this, humble, humble yourselves. Isn't that interesting? The Bible calls us to humble ourselves. That means that we are to come to God and say, Lord, I, I submit to you. Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, I'm going to let your word stand. Lord, I'm going to let your word speak. The, the Bible calls us to humble yourself. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand so that he will lift you up in due time. And this was so important for this first century believers who are facing persecution. Hey, I put leaders in your, in, your, in your life and here's how you're to act. And when you act this way and you submit to them and you submit to one another and you humble yourself, and you realize that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Look, in, a, in due time, he's going to lift us up. That means we win. And then he says something so very encouraging. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
Oh my goodness. You know, I just want to stop for a second and thank you. I want to thank you for allowing me to be your pastor and for allowing us, the pastors in your church, the ministers of the gospel in your church, in this church, thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for serving alongside of us. Can I, because I'll tell you, there are many times that I really do feel the weight of a spiritual battle. I think back during COVID and the, the 60 funerals I did from 2019 to 2021, 60 funerals. And there were times that I was like, Lord, I, I'm, the decisions we were making that I'm like, I don't know what to do. The spiritual battle that I felt and I still feel. And there are times that I'm getting pounded by, by spiritual attacks. And, and as I get on my knees, oftentimes God brings your face to my mind. And it reminds me, you ain't alone, big boy. You ain't, you're not by yourself. I've called an entire church around you. And hey, get your head up, Paul. I've kind of felt this before in my, I mean, this is part Estel Wall in my life, my coach, and part biblical truth, and maybe the Holy Spirit going, get your head up, boy. Hey, the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Get your head up. Get in the game. Get in the battle. And I want to thank you for being a church that has lifted us up, that encourages us, that loves us. Thank you. And as I look at this passage that is so very important, I feel the weight of it. It's very important for me to put it to memory, not just in my mind, but in my life. And, and you know, Here's the mission challenge today. Here's what I want to challenge all of us to do. And I'm going to do this as well. I want to challenge you to take some time to think through the pastors that have been in your life, the ministers of the gospel that have been in your life. And there may be some ministers of the gospel, like my brother in my life. I want to challenge you to Either send them a text, write them a note, and be specific and say, thank you for being used by God in my life. Here's how. Because there might be one of those guys, one of those ladies that are discouraged right now. And a word from you might move them to go, hey, let's get after it. You know, I pray we are a church that lives with urgency. I pray we live like, we live with the reality that the chief shepherd is coming. And I'll tell you what, let's be in the middle of God's will. You know what August means? It means, it means normalcy, whatever that is. And it means school starts and rhythm, 
and we get into the rhythm of school and community. People have moved here, and they're moving here to start school, and we're welcoming people, and we're embracing people, and we're moving forward in the kingdom. And whatever comes our way, let's tackle it together as a church. I love you. Now, we're going to have an invitation. Chad, I don't know where you are. Here you are. Thank you. We're going to have an invitation. And it's time to respond. And maybe your response today is coming to Christ. If you're watching online, you know we have... Kelly is online, can talk to you, can help you. You can email us. We're connected to you online. So I want you to know we're here. Maybe you need to come to Jesus. Maybe you need to start that relationship with God. Let me tell you something. You, You need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. I've said this a bunch, but I I wish so bad. If you don't know Christ, I wish I could just take my heart and put it into you for one second so you could know the peace that God gives, the forgiveness that is available. No matter who you are or what you've done, man, God's grace, God's gift of of his life on the cross can wipe away all your, your sins. Maybe today, Pride has been ruling your life. And maybe today the the response for you is, Lord, forgive me. And I'm going to, today I'm going to put on humility. I just want to ask you to respond to God today. Respond to his voice. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for how your word is so rich. How you move us to a sense of urgency, even in a passage that talks about church offices. Thank you for your word. and May we be a people that follow you with passion and we live in the middle of your will. If there's anybody in this room that in this moment is not in the middle of your will, I pray that in this moment they realign to you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace and thank you for giving us moments like this to connect with you and realign with you. Love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Our altars are open. We invite you.